Well, today we come to the end of our Think, Act, and Be Like Jesus series. And I hope that you have enjoyed it. I hope that the thoughts and uh, messages from God's Word have compelled you and catapulted you toward God's vision for your life to become like His Son, Jesus. Second Peter chapter 1 tells us from God that His divine power is within you, giving you everything you need to live a godly life right now, if you will but embrace it. I had an anonymous message uh, left at my doorstep from one of my neighbors. This is the note. It reads, Don't you wish you could just drink up your messages? Oh, wait, you can. This series has impacted my life in a profound way. Thank you, signed, a new tab drinker. And I thought to myself, what does that mean? Well, it was a company with a six-pack of tab. Now, some of you are too young to know that this was a product by the Coca-Cola company. It was the first ever diet drink. Doesn't taste really that good. And I thought to myself, before I brought this can up here, I should have called Coca-Cola and asked them to make a donation to the church for resurrecting this product that's hard to find in the grocery store. But what would I say? I came up with a couple of ideas. Tab, the official drink of the spiritually thirsty. Or how about this? I don't drink Coke much often, but when I do, I drink Tab. Stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> we have been invited to embrace the Vim Factor. Maybe you were here when we talked about this. Vision, intention, means that the spiritual journey begins with a vision. A vision to become like Jesus. This is God's stated agenda for you. But it doesn't stop there. It moves to intent. For you to take that vision and have the intent to grow in a specific area in your life with God's help over this next season of your life to close the gap in looking like Jesus. But it doesn't stop with intent. It moves to means. Developing a simple plan based in the Word of God in how you're going to move forward in becoming like Jesus. We learn from the Scriptures as well as just common sense that people who are intentional about their spiritual growth and development, in fact, grow deeper in their relationship with God and grow faster in their relationship with God than people who simply play it by ear. And over these last few weeks, I have been very impressed with your tenacity and your desire and your intentionality. And I simply say to you, way to go. Today I would like to wrap up the series by introducing you to another factor at work in our lives besides the Vim factor that has even greater potential to catalyze your spiritual growth than your personal plan. It is, it is the things that come into our lives that happen to us that we didn't plan. You didn't see them coming, but they showed up on your door one day and they became yours. Things completely out of your control, like an illness or a loss or a death or a burning 
or divorce. I call this out-of-control growth for two reasons. Number one, the situation is out of your control. You didn't ask for it, and you don't want to keep it, but you must. But number two, if you embrace it in your relationship with God, it will expedite your spiritual growth, folks, like nothing else can. You see, we have discovered that these events that sneak up on us with little or no warning provide the greatest opportunity for us to grow deep in our relationship with God and mold us into the kinds of people He desires for us to become like Jesus. Now, if you brought your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to the New Testament book of James, chapter 1. And as you're turning there, for those of you who are familiar with the Scripture, you know where I'm going with this, and you're glad to be reminded of this principle. For those of you who are taking fresh eyes and looking at the Scriptures, maybe for the first time, you're going to be amazed at what Jesus and His disciples are teaching us today. Now, as you're turning there, you might also want to write down Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 6, because the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church at Rome, speaks of this same concept. James chapter 1, let's look at verse 2. James writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'd like to make a couple observations. Number one, I want you to note that he says not if trials come your way, but when they come your way. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must factor in trials and tests into our life. They are a part of life on this side of the new kingdom, and we must factor them into our journey. I want you to also note that he says when you face trials of many kinds. What is your kind of trial? There are many kinds. Let me ask you, what is the kind of trial you are facing right now? Or if you're not facing a trial right now, imagine with me what you think the brand of trial you're going to face next. Because you will. And are you ready for it? But the oddest thing in James' writing here is what he says at the very beginning. See, if you agree with me, he says we should consider it pure joy. Now, help me for just having a dose of common sense, but whenever someone is introduced to a major trial in their life, I wouldn't think to say such a thing. Matter of fact, I would say, what a tragedy to have such a trial in your life. But James says we should consider it pure joy. This is one of the oddest things about the Christian life. Why would he say such a thing? Well, he gives us the answer in the next verse. Look at it with me. Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. A couple of observations. Number one, I want you to notice that this is not merely a test, but rather for the Christian, it is a test of your faith. It is going to provide you the opportunity to test or to see just how deep your trust in God really is. 
We say we trust in God, we say we believe in God, but this test will test the true veracity of your faith and how much you will lean in on Him to see you through it. Second observation. This test, James says, provides the opportunity to produce a character trait in you called perseverance, which is critical for your ability to trust in God. Now, the word perseverance, in the language that James wrote this letter in, the Greek language, is a compound word, two words put together. The Greek word is hupo mone. Hupo meaning under, and mone meaning to remain. Literally translated, to remain under. The image is that we have a weight on our back, and, our, and the idea is that we are to remain under the weight or the pressure of it. That's what perseverance is. So I have here a large sack, and this is an image. And some of you can totally identify with this because you're carrying such a thing right now. Let me put it on. Excuse me. Should have did a couple more sit-ups or something. You know, guys, it didn't have to be this heavy. It's just an illustration. Jeez. Okay. Some of you right now, hearing these words, have one of these on your back, don't you? You have a trial. You have a test that has come into your life. You did not ask for it. You did not want it. But it is here. Now keep in mind, these tests, sometimes there's no way of escape. But in many opportunities, there's many opportunities for some of these trials to escape them. But to escape them would be the wrong thing to do. It would be pushing off the responsibility onto someone else. Or it would be escaping it before it done its, it's done its complete work in you. For example, you are dealing with severe depression in your life. You don't know where it's coming from. And you want this burden to be off of your back. And so you consider suicide. That would get the weight off of your back. But you don't do it because you know the Word of God. You have an illness in your life and you think to yourself, oh yes, suicide. I don't want to wake up with this one more day of my life. Or you have a marriage that is not going very well. And, and while divorce sometimes is, it seems like the only option, the only thing to do, you don't take the weight off of the, your back right now because it would be easy to exit the relationship, but it wouldn't be the right thing to do or you're in a situation where you're losing all of your financial stability and while sometimes bankruptcy is the only thing left to do, it's the only right thing to do, it's not the first thing that you do to pawn off your debts onto somebody else, but rather sometimes the right thing to do is to say, God, this is the burden you've given me to carry today. It's a very heavy burden, but I want to bear up under the pressure of it. I want to honor the commitment even though it is overwhelming. Some of you feel like that, don't you? You're waking up again this morning and likely tomorrow morning with this weight that is taking your breath away, making it hard to breathe, and you think, I can't do this anymore. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 uh, writes this, and if you're new to the Scriptures, you'll be very interested in this Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, look at the screen. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. A couple of observations. Number one, you are not alone in the test 
and the burden that you are carrying. I remember back in 1992, I think I was 32 years old at the time, I got word that I was going to have to have back surgery, L5-S1 disc, and I thought to myself, my life is completely falling apart. I'm the only one that I know that is having back surgery. That is until I started to talk to other people. And I realized half of the world has had back surgery. And I found some sort of comfort in knowing that I was not alone in the trial that I was carrying. Whatever burden you are carrying right now, I can promise you, you are not alone. That these are common trials given to mankind for a purpose. Number two, I want you to make the note that it is not God who does the tempting. The temptation here is coming from our flesh wanting to exit the test or trial prematurely or inappropriately. We're carrying this burden and our flesh wants to get out of it and we're tempted to do the wrong thing to get out of it. It's not God who is tempting, but it is God who is involved in using the test to help us, to help us grow. Keep reading. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is a promise. God promises that he will not let you be tempted in this test beyond what you can bear. But I know you're like me. You're just 10 minutes into the pack being on your back and you cry out to God, that's it, I can't take anymore. I'm done. You said you would not let me carry this more than I can bear. I can't bear it. Take it off. That's the way we think. But God says he will come alongside of us and help us to carry this burden so that it can accomplish its good work in us to move us toward the vision he has in molding and shaping us into the image of his son. They are essential, but we must keep it on our back. How does he do this? How does he do it? How does he provide a way for us to endure? Let me give you a couple suggestions. When you are in a trial, when a, temp, when, a, when a test comes into your life that is out of your control, I don't know about you, but for me, it changes my relationship with God. I know this might sound like a, an inappropriate confession for you, but I have to tell you, in seasons of my life where things are even, there are days when I don't think much about God. When things are going well in my life, I have to admit, I have to confess that there are times when I don't go to God with great eagerness. Are you with me, church? But whenever a trial comes knocking at my door and says, turn around, I'm jumping on your back, my knees buckle, and I fall down. And now I don't pray because I have to. I pray because I can't help myself. I am desperate. And I can't change it in my own strength. It's beyond me. And so I go to God and I beg of Him and I plead with Him and I talk with Him and I talk with Him. I have no other place to go. And guess what's happening? I am drawing close to God. Hear me out. The goal of life is not for life to be easy. The goal of life is to get to know God better. And this trial is doing just that. It's causing me to run like a deer panning for streams of living water for, for, for a drink. And as a result of this test, like nothing ever before would ever do, 
I'm getting to know God better. And as a result of that, it's accomplishing its good work in me. Are you hearing me, church? But not only that, another way in which God calls us to endure the burden on our back is he said, have you ever thought about laying the burden down before me and letting me take it for a couple of days? That's what he invites us to do. But there's a third way that I have seen. God will bring other people into your life and he will invite them to help you carry your burden to make it lighter. Do you remember there was a time when Moses was in battle and he had to keep his arms held high over his head? And as long as his arms were high over his head, they, the nation of Israel would win the battle. But if his arms came down, they would start to lose the battle and Moses couldn't keep his arms up anymore. So how did he endure? God sent some of his men to him and they held up his arms for him. That's why biblical community, being in community with other brothers and sisters in Christ, makes the top ten spiritual practices of becoming like Jesus because we need each other to bear each other's burdens, the Bible says. So I write down these words. Don't wait until the weight comes upon you before you invest in a small community of believers who can hold up your arms in a time of trial and you for them. Now here's the point. James says that if you persevere, if we trust in God and hold tight to Him, the test will finish its work in us to make us mature, complete, Lacking in nothing. We've looked in previous weeks at those, those words mature and complete and said that they can be translated ripe. We're back to the fruit of the Spirit that God's wanting to develop on the ends of our branches. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. These things can be developed through persevering through a trial, making our fruit ripe so that the other people in our life that God has placed in our lives can taste the sweet fruit that's coming from the inside out of our life in God. A test, for those of you who are gardeners, a test is like sprinkling miracle grow on a plant. You see, it'll grow, but if you sprinkle some miracle grow on it, it will grow deeper and it will grow faster. Circumstances out of your control can produce out-of-control growth in your life. Listen to a few real-life testimonies of people in our congregation who've had a dose of miracle grow sprinkled on their life. Turn to the screen. Hi, I'm Melissa Floyd. And I'm John Floyd. And our out-of-control experience was about three years ago when we decided to start a family. And uh, after a year of being unsuccessful, we decided to see a fertility specialist and were told that we were unfertile. And uh, we were completely out of control and over the last three years, we've had to deal with that in our life. And what brought me closer to God was thinking about Jesus' words in Luke 22 where he says, in the first, first words he says, do not worry about your life. And then in 25 he says, for who of you by worrying can add one hour to your life 
And if you can't do this simple thing, why worry about the rest? And so for me, that really helped um, get me closer to God and also closer to Melissa. And, um, and what helped me was um, I, I really used music as an inspiration. Um, I felt like God was speaking through the music uh, directly to me. And one song in particular was Matthew West called Strong Enough. And it talks about God giving us a lot of things that uh, are difficult in our lives and we feel like we're not strong enough and sometimes we reach rock bottom and I felt like I hit rock bottom emotionally through all these failures with infertility and um, but when we hit rock bottom we start looking up towards God and that's that's what I was doing and so uh, so now three years later uh, we've discovered that we are, are pregnant with twins and um, we can look back through uh, our, our tough times and we can count it all joy. Hi everybody, my name is Jared and this is my wife Virginia. And our out of control moment came when we had two failed business attempts and mounting credit card debt because of that which led to an inability for us to pay our own mortgage. On top of that, I lost my job, which really led us to, to the realization that we were about to lose everything. When I came home and Jared told me that he lost his job, we usually did one of two things when something like that happened. We either fought or we would get angry at God um, for our circumstances. And, um, but um, when I got home, I looked at Jared and I said, you know, Jared, either we can fight, get angry at God, or just worship the Lord. And in that moment, we got down on our knees, turned on some worship music, and we just praised God. And after that, we still lost everything. But... <clears throat> well, here we are about two and a half years later. And our lives are completely different. Uh, we, we are both gainfully employed, which is very good for the first time in our marriage. On top of that, uh, we're just in a wonderful place right now. San Antonio has been amazing to us. We're in a wonderful ministry on, uh, on top of being Oak Hills members. And our lives are just 180 degrees different than it was when, before we came here. And we are just so blessed. And we can just look back at our situation and everything that we went through financially and we can actually look back at it and just count it all for joy. Um, that the Lord was just doing some work inside of us and that He was there through it all with us. Hi, my name is Louis Gomez. And Hi, my name is Tina Gomez. And this is our beautiful blessing, Michaela Gomez. And Hi, we just want to tell you a story about uh, tragedies and stuff that we've been through uh, with trying to conceive a child. Uh, my wife uh, had two miscarriages in around 2006 and also a pregnancy that we had twins in 2008 um, that passed away unfortunately at 22 weeks and we just want to thank everybody that from the church um, personally Miguel which who is she is named after, and everybody that came to help my wife during her tragic tragic time that she had with the babies passing away. Mm -hmm.
um, through the babies passing away, uh, we have uh, gained our growth in the church, our growth in God, our growth in um, praying, and just we are very thankful and blessed that God has put them in our lives at the moment that we were going through um, very devastating times, and we are grateful for them to bring us closer to God that we would never think we would be as close to Him if it wasn't for this happening. Uh, yeah, we just want to thank everybody from the church, Max, uh, David Padilla, especially Miguel for helping us through our prayers and blessings and help, helping us have a lot of faith in God and bringing us our miracle, Michaela, to our lives. Thank you. Three stories of trial common to mankind. If we had the time, we could take a microphone and go aisle by aisle, couldn't we? And you can tell of the test that has been brought into your life. There'd only be one or two outcomes, one of two outcomes. Number one, you had the opportunity to take this trial and draw closer to God for it to draw you closer to becoming more like Christ or you choose not to embrace it and instead run from God. In the next five years, as you plan out your life, and you should, you should have a spiritual plan for your life. You should take your spiritual growth seriously. Not for everybody, but for many people hearing these words, the next five years, you're going to be introduced to a trial, a test is going to knock at your door and say, turn around, I'm jumping on your back. You didn't ask for it, you didn't want it, and there's nothing you can do to change it. The question is, will you use this opportunity to cling closer to God or not? Your answer should be, I want to cling closer to God so it could produce its good work in me, but Randy, I don't know how. James gives us this answer in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. James tells us that when you face a trial, when a test comes into your life, step number one is go to God. Begin that journey with God and ask Him to give you the wisdom and the strength to know how to bear up under this pressure and this trial so that it can produce in you perseverance, which gives you the greatest opportunity to get strength in God and ultimately move toward the vision of becoming more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. That is why James says we can consider it pure joy 
That whenever trials come into the life of a believer who is trusting in God, we can lift our hands in worship here or out in the middle of the community, praising God and considering it all joy when trials have been brought into our life. Because God is using us, using it to draw us closer into the image of His Son. Think, act, be like Jesus. The most refreshing way to live. And all of the church said, Amen. Amen.